Today on the Province Crier Podcast, we will have a roadside reaction from last Wednesday's victory for the Friars, 73-56 over then number 21 Creighton Blue Jays. We will go over PC's late game shortcomings against Xavier in a loss on Saturday, and then we'll look to the week ahead for the Friars as they try and make a push here to get into the bubble picture as uh, March approaches. All right, let's see. The Providence College Friars. Top for the crossover. The Big East. The rest of the college hoops world. Setting the screen. This is the Providence Crier Podcast with your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Surratt. Welcome, welcome back to another episode of the Province Crier Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Surrett, the Province Crier. You can follow me on Twitter, that's at Providence Crier, as well as read the blog. Um, I know I haven't posted too much content to it uh, lately, but um, that is theprovincecrier.wordpress.com. Today is Wednesday, February 12th. And I'm here recording Tuesday night um, in Boston. I uh, was going to record earlier, but I wanted to catch, uh, like, take a peek at the game of the night in college hoops. And that was to be URI at Dayton. Um, you know, two top teams in the A-10, both teams coming, on, uh, coming off 10-game win streaks. Um, URI, you know, had lost their first 8-10 game. Since then, have won 10 straight. Uh, Dayton, on the other hand, has yet to lose in the 8-10. So it's two teams at this point, definitely Dayton for sure, uh, sitting comfortably in the tournament field, and you could probably say the same for URI. So I was, I was expecting a good game, and uh, what did we get? Anything but... Uh, the Rams were no match for Dayton. Um, game starts, Dayton just rips off a 17-0 run. And there you are. 17-zip, the Rams find themselves down. Um, you know, they really didn't make it competitive at, at all, really. I mean, they, they cut they cut it down to nine late in the second half. And then, you know, they got a technical, gave up a three, uh, foul, had a stupid foul when they are in a bonus. Um... And then, you know, they find themselves down double digits at the break. And then second half, I mean, Fats Russell scores four quick points for the Rams. But that was really it. This game was pretty much a blowout throughout. Um, You know, very chippy game, which I thought was pretty funny. Because as soon as you or I found themselves in a blowout, 
they self-implode. You know, they have all the swag, but then when the going gets tough, like, what do they do? They get, someone from the bench gets a technical, Fats Russell got a double technical with a guy, uh, Martin gets a technical, there's infighting between the players. It was a joke. Uh, but yeah, it, you know, you or I, at this point, I think they are comfortably in the field. But at this point, they only have one quad one win all year long, and that was at VCU. Um, other than that, they, they just haven't beaten really anyone. And the A-10, while it's better than most years in the A-10, that's basically inflated because you're getting carried by Dayton, being one of the best teams in the country. Um, you know, the bottom of the A-10 is just pure trash. Um, so, you know, I thought maybe you or I would give them a game. They do not. But um, I-, I was happy to watch that beatdown. I really was. Um, it might hurt PC's net rating. Probably not that much considering Dayton um, is the top of the uh, – sits near the top of those rankings as well. But, um, yeah, I don't care. I really enjoyed that beatdown. It was awesome. And Fats Russell, man – you know, the guy that owns the state of Rhode Island, he goes for two points in the first half. I think he finished with, like, 16, but um, a lot of it was in garbage time, where most of the second half was spent in garbage time. But, yeah, I, I thought I'd share that with all of you. But, um, all right, so let's get right to it. The Friars coming off a 1-1 uh, week. You know, last Wednesday they hosted Creighton. And they end up getting the win there. Um, that made it two straight games against top 25 opponents. And, you know, they're sitting at 13-10, and 10, and all of a sudden, you know, the Xavier game is a game I didn't think they had to have. But um, certainly a game that if, if they win, all of a sudden 14-10, and you're really starting to cook, cook with fire here in terms of, a, of the bubble picture. But... Um, they don't end up winning that one. Um, we'll get to that. And so first, we'll get to the Creighton game. We'll have my roadside reaction to it. And before I start it, I just want to preface it. Um, this one ends quite strangely. Uh, here I am, on 93, driving home from the dunk, going through the roadside reaction. And you'll hear it on the recording. But... Late, late in the drive, there's some car just flashing its high beams at me. And I have, like, no idea what's going on. Like, I keep looking back. Can't really see uh, who the person is. But they keep flashing. My car's a piece of shit. So here I am. I think something's wrong with my car. Like, who is this crazy person flashing their high beams at me? Um, so the roadside reaction, pre-warning. And it's pretty brutally. I'm all out of sorts. Um, I'm saying we play Creighton on Saturday, even though I spent the whole time discussing the victory over Creighton that was on Wednesday. But, yeah. Uh, so the guy that ends up flashing his high beams at me was Niedermeyer. I mean, first of all, my buddy Niedermeyer is going to flash his... Like, pull up next to me and, like, wave or, like, honk or something. Like, you're going <laughs> to flash your high beams on and off? Oh, man, I was not thrilled about that. So, roadside reaction, um, it's going to end a little weird, but uh, enjoy it. Here it is.
All right, welcome to Roadside Reaction. Providence Crier here, leaving the dunk as the Friars get a big win, 73-56. Um, you know, at this point, uh, LaSalle Square or Exchange Terrace or whatever they call it, pretty empty because me and Joe Niedermeyer, we got ourselves a celebratory mug at Trinity. But get this, the only beer I had the entire game because I left my wallet in the car. That was about the only bad thing that happened today was the fact that I, that I left my wallet in the car. Other than that, a great night at the dunk as the Friars get the win by 17 points. Um, you know, going into this game, I, I just felt it. I felt like they're, again, second game in the row, but the Friar, uh, the Crier just felt it. He felt a win coming. This one being the fact that it was our third crack at a ranked team at home. The dunk was good. Uh, good crowd in both of their previous games against Butler and Nova. And yet, PC just didn't play well enough to get the win. But, you know, you look at PC's three-game losing streak. They played all the ranked teams they played. They played them tough. So, you know, I just felt like this would be the night they broke through. And to be honest, first half was not the case. The Friars were really ugly. And on top of that, before I even get into the game, uh, during the player introductions, they announce Alpha Diallo, and he gets a, I'll be generous by saying a mix of cheers and boos. The students, the student section for sure was giving him grief uh, over his last two games. Said it'd be a big spot for him. Um... You know, he ends up playing a good game. We'll get to him a little bit later. But, yeah, uh, he gets booed to start off the game. And you know what? Like, I know I, I, I am perceived as an Alpha Diallo apologist. But, no. In this situation, you can't be booing your own player in introductions. Like, come on. I get he's played poorly. But, like, I mean, in like... The game's not even gonna, the game hasn't even started yet, and you're gonna boo him. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of that, but it, again, it was a mix of cheers and boos. Most of the boos were led by the student section, who definitely wasn't wasn't fond of his uh, past two game performance. But um, you know, the game starts and PC looks terrible. <laughs> Turn the ball over, really sloppy. You know. For one, I thought they were officiating. In terms of, like, I've never seen more, like, strip balls in a half go the other way. Usually, like, a guy strips a ball, out of ba- it goes out of bounds, you know, it stays here. No, 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 not the case in this game. Apparently, every loose ball was going the other way to Creighton. And uh, the Flyers were sloppy. I believe they had f- five turnovers before the first media timeout. So that was pretty brutal. Um, you know, but they clawed their way and they only find themselves down by four, um, at the break. And when that happened, I just knew, I I just had a a good, a good sense that it would be our night the rest of the night because they played so poorly yet. They're only down four against a team that can really light you up offensively in Creighton find themselves only down four was a freaking miracle at the break. And 
I just felt like going in the second half with the home crowd on your side, I, I just felt like PC would get this win. By the way, I'm on 93 by the uh, 146 exit, and it, or 95 rather, and it is bumper to bumper, one lane traffic. But anyways, um, you know, they played really poorly in that, in that first half, yet only found themselves down four. And I just felt like the second half would be their half, and that was an understatement. It, more than the crier could ever predict, the Friars just roll in the second half, outscoring Creighton by 21 points, uh, 20 to 41, uh, shot the lights out. You know, I, I thought maybe it was their best half of the season, but um, you know, looking back, that, that that Sacred Heart game, game one of the uh, of the regular season, and then you look at the Georgetown game at the dunk, the first half of that game. They really dominate, but this is by far the best second half they've played all year. Um, they just roll. Um, AJ Reeves won off the bat was money. Uh, they found him early and off him for threes. He was draining them. Um, I, I believe he was your game high scorer. I forget what he finished. I think he only finished with like 16, but he was on fire for a stretch there. And, you know, PC really, really, you you know, really needed that out of A.J. Reeves. I said going into the game that, you know, you can't expect David Duke to go off for 36 like he did in the last game. You're going to need other guys to participate. And I believe I said that uh, Reeves, Pipkins, and White need to score at least 25 to 30 points to have you win the game. And Reeves pouring in 16 on his own really helped that. Uh, Pip didn't play too much in this one. He only had three points, um, but but White was able to contribute as well. I believe he had like eight or nine points. So they were really right at that mark of 25, 30 points. And um, that, that's what they need. They need the other guys to contribute. Um, I also said it was a big spot for Alpha Diallo. Um, and he wasn't perfect tonight, but he was really good. Um, he finished with like 15 or so. Uh, he had six boards. I swear to God, though, I felt like he had way more rebounds than that. But uh, he finishes with six. Um, had a lot of turnovers. He had six turnovers, which which kind of is a shitload in a college game. But overall, I, I think Firetown was was happy with the way he played overall. Um, so good game from hit for from from Diallo in a big spot. <clears throat> After getting booed by the crowd, he didn't set the word on fire, but he was very good in this game, in my opinion. Um, then you look at David Duke. He was pretty much shut down for most of the game. Uh, I think he only had a bucket or so, like like midway through the second half. And then he caught fire late. He ends up with double digits. The Friars had four players, I believe, scoring double figures. So that was great to see. And then... Again, their perimeter defense is really what won them the game. Um, they switched to a zone in the second half, and that really seemed to stifle Creighton. Um, early in the first half, it seemed like you know Friars were playing man, and Nate Watson was out on the court, and he he was just struggling w- with the screens in terms of if he should sw- should he switch, should he not switch. Like he was kind of a disaster. He ended up getting double figures. I think he had like 11, but um, <clears throat> he was pretty bad defensively, 
And, you know, I, I felt like Kali was right in playing Khalif Young. I, I thought Khalif Young was very good. Uh, he didn't have, a, I think he had four points, but he had eight boards and, like, he was definitely better defensively than Nate Watson in this one, uh, for sure. And that's why he got the minutes. So, kudos to Khalif Young. Nate Watson, I mean, look, like, defensively it's a struggle at this point, but I think he'll get there, and he's so, like, too good of an offensive player not to play, so, like, he's going to be out there. And I think Nate will be fine, you know, once all said and done here. But in this game in particular, I felt like it was necessary that Cooley stuck with Khalif Young. Um, I felt like him benching Pip for a lot of the game, you know, I think that, I mean, because it worked. Like, when he wasn't on the floor, it worked. And Malik White wasn't great. He had a three early. I had talked about his struggles with, with the three. But then after that, he was pretty ice cold <laughs> from deep. Um, but, you know, what I loved about Pip and my roommate, Brendan O'Rourke, who's been on the pod before, he pointed out, and I totally agreed watching, um, being live at the game, you never saw Pipkins pouting that he was never not playing. He was cheering the guys on, waving his towel, like, good to see from Pip. Um, I, I think he's realized at this point, like, it's all about getting the win one way or another. Whether he goes off, whether he plays a ton of minutes, he doesn't care. He just wants to win at this point, which is good to see for the Friars. Um, but yeah, the perimeter defense, I just felt like Crane just got tired of just being dogged on the perimeter all game long. And then they just settled for a lot of contested threes, and that really benefited the Friars. Um, you know, I believe they shot 49% from the floor uh, as a whole. Shot 50-something percent from three, which is great. They had a few late, so they might have been higher than that. I don't even know. But um, really good to see all, all around. All around great team win, in my opinion. And you can see the guys were having fun. They were enjoying it. And that was awesome. Um, I, I think another, another key to the game might have been Mahoney. I don't know his first name, but it's pretty funny. Like, before we played Creighton, I had watched a few Creighton games, and I was like, oh, I really like this Mahoney guy. You know, undersized big um, with the Rex Becks. Solid player. Uh, I think he played a great part in Creighton losing this game. Um, he had some ridiculous, like, like step-back jumper, like long two. That was like, who, like, do you think you're Jason Tatum or something? Like, what is going on with you? Like, why are you taking that shot? Dude, a couple dumb shots. Uh, he got, he was clearly bothered by Diallo covering him most of the night. Uh, so he got called for a few offensive fouls. He shoved a player, like, on a loose rebound. I, I think he played a role in the Friars going on uh, a serious run to close out this game. I believe Kevin, uh, Fair, pardon me if I butchered your last name. My name's not easy either, Surrett. I mean, a lot of people call me Surretti, so apologize for that. But um, he had a great tweet that PC ends up outscore. They were trailing 30 to 22 and outscored Creighton uh, 51 to 20 something the rest of the game. So, yeah, 
51.6 it would have been. So phenomenal job by the front. Or no. It'd be 53-6 the rest of the game. So the Friars really rolled in that second half. Um, I thought it was really interesting late in the game. You know, Cooley wasn't pulling the dogs off. Like, he, I, I think he, he was pissed that they lost that game at Creighton. And regardless of him and Greg McDermott being boys, he was going to let his boys go out there and, and continue to give the crowd what they want. And hit, uh, Reeves and Duke were just winning threes at the end. You know, usually you don't like to see a team run the score, but if you're the Friars and do what they've dealt with all year, being inept offensively, I mean, why not run it up? You're hot, you're hot, you know. But excellent game for the Friars. So here they are. Now they sit at 13-10, and 10, and who knows? I think now, like, there's a legitimate shot at maybe us getting in the conversation again for not launch. Um, still a lot of work to do. There's eight Big East games left, but you look at the schedule and who they have and, and where they play them. I mean, they play at Nova. They'll get a home game uh, on next Saturday um, against Seton Hall. I believe they go at Xavier this upcoming Saturday and then at St. John's on Tuesday or Wednesday uh, before returning home to face Hall again in a rematch. You know, at this point, you know, Niedermeyer and I were talking about this at Trinity. If they can go like 5-3, and three, I put them at 18 and, and 13, go into the biggest tournament. He thinks you got to go to the championship game. I mean, maybe I agree because they'd probably have a bye if they, they had that high of a conference record. But, like, I don't know, man. College basketball's been weird this year. It's been a weird season. The bubble is really weird. And, you know, maybe they only need to win one game. If they, if they went, like, 19-4, and four, it wouldn't stun me if they made the tournament. Obviously, that Long Beach State game is going to haunt them uh, for a while. But, like, 19-14 might get it done on, on this bubble this year. Especially playing in a conference like the Big East where, um, you know, no no game is a bad game. Um, a ton of quad one opportunities. And, you know, if you lose to one of these guys, it's not a horrible thing. So, here they are. We'll see what happens. So far, they're 2-0 in February. Um, they go to Xavier on Saturday. Xavier, like I mentioned in the previous pod, uh, they've won two sh- after losing a heartbreaker at home to Marquette without Marcus Howard, who, who got hurt in the game, took an elbow in the face. They lose a heartbreaker in double OT to Marquette. And um, since then, um, you know, sorry, somebody flashed their high beams at me for no reason. Not sure what that's about. But uh, since then, they go on the road to Seton Hall and they get a win. They go on the road to DePaul. And I mean, DePaul's poor DePaul, right? Like, <laughs> the season that never was for DePaul at this point. They're like, they're dead last in the Big East. Par usual, but like, you look at Seton Hall, they're a pretty good team. 
But, um, you know, Friars get back at it next week or on Saturday against Creighton. And at this point, go Friars. All right. Welcome back to the Providence Crier podcast. So what did I tell you? The roadside reaction had a bizarro ending. But uh, now you know the reason why. Uh, some guy, Niedermeyer, ended up flashing his lights uh, over and over against me as I'm trying to drive home. But, um, so yeah, so that was your game Wednesday. PC gets the win over 21-ranked Creighton. Um, then, you know, they go on the road on Saturday to face a Xavier team that's on the bubble right now. They're at least more squarely in the bubble picture than, than PC is at the moment. Um, but, you know, PC goes in that game beating two ranked teams in a row. And big opportunity for them to, you know, really get a big win. Um, big East row games, never easy. They went with the retros, which they're undefeated in on the road. PC's had success on the road this season so far. Um, but, I mean, a- as you will know, it wasn't their night in a 64-58 to 58 defeat by Xavier. Um, you know, really tightly contested Big East basketball game, um, which has been a theme for the Friars at this point, especially in conference play. Um, you know, they are constantly finding themselves in, you know, two, three possession games down the stretch. Um, but, in you know, they found ways to win some, and they found ways to win others. And certainly in this one, they definitely found ways to lose because um, really – the, let's just take it the second half because in reality this game was decided at the 7-17 mark of the game when Nate Watson um, gets fouled on an and one um, tie the game at 52 media timeout um, the, the under 8 timeout happens and from there the Friars muster just 6 points and 2 hoops the rest of the game. So, um, it was a disaster. And, you know, I know I, I, I do defend Diallo and Pipkins. Um, but, I mean, th- for this one, you look on Twitter, they got a ton of the blame. Um, and, you know, it deservedly so. All right? I'll admit it. Um, they combined for one of eight down the stretch, like from that 17-17 mark on. One of eight from the floor including 0 of 6 from 3. Four of those jacks came from Pipkins. Um, two points, only points were Diallo, and a turnover. So, you know, not a good game for either of them down the stretch. Um, you know, prior to that, they didn't really have a bad game. You know, Diallo finishes with 14 points on 5 of 13, so not great. 0 of 5 from 3, that's really the... The big bugaboo, and then of course, the five turnovers. Um, you know, now it's last two games he's had eleven turnovers. Um, luckily, it d- didn't have any effect in the game against Creighton. But um, you know, eleven turnovers in two games is kind of tough to do in college troops. Um, so that wasn't great. But I mean, early on I-, I thought he was solid, and yet here I am in this text group, uh, the Friars BB group. I've told you about this. Uh, features my buddy Niedermeyer and two of his Jersey Friars uh, that I'm also friends with. Brendan Corley, he's been on the show. 
Pete Van Name, um, and then their friend Rick. So it's the four of us, and that text group, I mean, those two especially get all over Diallo. And, I mean, it's the first half, and they're telling, they're saying that he needs to get the, the fuck out of the game. Like, he's blowing the game. He's throwing the game, they even said. And, like, at the half, Diallo was playing pretty solid. I mean, he was 3 of 6 from the floor, 6 points, 4 rebounds, and 3 assists. Uh, and one turnover at, at that point in the game. So, you know, he wasn't playing poorly, in my opinion, by, by any means. Um, but then, obviously, the stretch at the end of the game is what kills him. Um, you know, he'll have four turnovers in the second half, uh, five for the game, and, you know, he missed the late threes. Pipkins, you know, he was a mess second half. I mean, he, he hit two threes in a row. I'm trying to remember if that was the first or second half, but um, but then other than that, he was ice cold. Um he had a turnover, no assists, so he finished with six points on two of ten, uh, two of nine from deep. Like I said, he hit two threes in a row, and that was about it. Um, so, you know, he was a disaster, and I get, I get it. Like, those guys are your seniors. They've been through plenty of college hoops games, and they got to be better down the stretch, no question about it. But what I will say is, you know, the other guys didn't help out either. Watson... Out of the media timeout, misses the, the free throw, which would have given PC the lead. Um, and then, you know, he misses a shot later on. He ends up fouling out. Um, Reeves, he misses a shot. Uh, he turned the ball over. You know, in, after the game, a lot of people were, were yelling, oh, like, Reeves coming off this huge game against Creighton, you know, like, why is he taking three shots? And people are pointing towards Diallo and Pipkins. And to me, it's like, that's not a Diallo and Pipkins problem. That's a Reeves and Cooley problem. Cooley needs to draw up more plays to get him going. And A.J. Reeves needs to be aggressive from the outset. Like, he can't let a couple of misses early on determine how he's going to play the rest of the game. Um, you know, Greg Gant, during that stretch, he has a turnover. Um, Duke was solid, I guess. He was one of two from the floor tacked on two free throws as well. Um, Malik White, he really didn't do much of anything most of this game at all. He did have seven assists, which was nice, but from the scoring department, he was just abysmal shooting threes. He continues his ice-cold stretch from deep. Um, he doesn't hit a single one in, that, in the game. And so, you know, we know this team is talented, um, and the other guys got to step up too. I mean... Uh, all right, I'll, I will admit it's like 75% Diallo and Pickens down the stretch uh, as to why they don't win this game, for sure. Maybe 80%. But the other guys got to step up, too. Um, you know, you, you want to dog Pipkins for, for late-game stretches. I mean, in the Butler game, he was money late in the game. He's the reason why you won the game. Um, so, you know, they definitely didn't play well. I'm not going to you know, sugarcoat it, like, there's really no excuse, but, um, my point being is, I really just think, like, other guys gotta step up, too, we can't just always point the finger, um, on, on, on Diallo and Pipkins, uh, you know, what does that say for the guys coming up, if they have no accountability because they're young, I mean, come on, um, but, 
you know, end of the day, um, it just wasn't their night. Um, and I, to me, it, it wasn't a must win. It, it really wasn't. I mean, it, it sure would have been nice to, um, you know, continue the role after beating two ranked teams in a row. But, you know, I shouldn't say the game doesn't hurt them at all because, I mean, it definitely does at this point. With their record being as it is, every loss is, you know, one more rose petal falling off uh, before it becomes Big E's tournament victory or bust time. Um, so, um, you know, every loss does matter. But I think metrically speaking, in terms of their resume, this one doesn't do too much damage. And I think they even, after having a slight dip in the net after the game, I think since then they've even gone up a spot. So um, it really didn't do too much damage in terms of uh, the ranking. So from that perspective, I don't think it was a must-win. But at this point, it certainly creates a must-win situation in their next game, which is Wednesday night. Against St. John's, PC will uh, travel to SJ, um, 8.30 tip, CBS Sports. My guess is they're playing that one at Karnasek Arena. Um, you know, for for years, PC always played St. John's at Karnasek, and then, you know, once PC started <laughs> to get pretty good, um, they moved it to, to MSG for a few years. But I got a feeling that this one's 8.30 tip, it, you know, I have a feeling that one's going to be at uh, Cardi Seca. I could be wrong, but... Um, so, PC won their first meeting against St. John's, ugly fashion. They went 63-58 back on um, January 15th. Mustafa Heron, um, SJ's arguably one of it, you know, definitely SJ's top three players. You can probably pencil him in at number two or even number one if you want. But... Um, Haran, in the first game, he was limited as he was coming back from an injury. Um, he had didn't really have a good game at all. He was 2 of 9, 7 points. And news has already come out that he will not be playing in this one. So, right off the bat, PC gets catches a break with the fact that there will be no Mustafa Heron uh, for SJ um, Wednesday night. So, that, that, that is big. Um... Having said all that, this game absolutely terrifies me. It really does. Uh, and, and I'll get to why in a moment, but uh, if you remember the last game that terrified the crier, yes, that was a Northwestern game. And what happened? We lost. And what happened? Just like I said, Northwestern would probably suck. And they do suck. <laughs> I, I can I can confirm that. Um they're towards the bottom of the standings, if not last in the Big Ten. Um, I watched them the other night at Rutgers. They're blowing Rutgers' doors off first half, uh, led by as many as 18 points, and they end up losing that game in overtime. So they had an opportunity to help PC a little bit in the metrics, and they couldn't do it because that team flat out sucks. Um, so, and with this SJ team, it, you know, I don't think they suck. They're certainly better than, than, than Northwestern. And I just think, you look at this game, SJ 
also has a 13-11 record, but they're 2-9 and nine in conference play. Uh, the only team that St. John's beat in, in Big East play so far is DePaul. So they've, they've swept DePaul, and, and that is it. They've lost all other nine opportunities against Big East opponents. Um, their last home game, they lost to Georgetown by only one point. So, I mean, where you think PC won the first game, SJ will be without one of their better players. You think PC should be able to get this win. But all that stuff adding up, like, just scares the shit out of me. Because you know St. John's is going to be hungry to try and get a win over a team that's not named DePaul in the conference. Um, And the fact that they came so close against Georgetown their their last time out at home, um, you know, since then they they did go on the road and lose to Creighton by 12. But... um, but the fact that they came so close against Georgetown in their last home game, I, I think they're going to come to play, uh, and, th- and that terrifies me. Um, you know, I-, I think my big hope for the game is that LJ Figueroa decides to shoot SJ out of the game just like he did at the game at the Dunkin's Donut Center back in January. He was 2 of 12 from three-point range in that game. He was terrible. He literally gave... He literally handed PC that win um, without any further drama. Uh, so let's hope that happens again, right? But um, Raheem Dunn, uh, the transfer from Cleveland State via St. Um, Francis of Brooklyn, I believe. Um, so this is his third stop at SJ. If you remember in the pod uh, leading up to the, the first meeting against St. John's, I said he'd be an X-Factor. At this point, with no uh, Heron, you know, he's. I think he should be the focal point of their defensive game plan, trying to contain him. Uh, he ends up going for like 10 or 11 against us in the last game. Um, you know, quick guard, can, can attack the basket, uh, can, you know, hit shots from deep. He's a, he's a quality player. And, you know, LJ, he's going to try and get his. We know that. But uh, I think... Big thing for PC will be trying to uh, contain Raheem Dunn. Um, you know, also, you look at the first meeting, Nate Watson had eight points and seven rebounds in limited action, only played 18 minutes. Um, you know, the game was about a month ago. You know, Watson at that point, still not 100% from the knee injury that he suffered in preseason. And I, th- I think now it's become quite clear that he's back to his normal self, um, especially in the Xavier game. He, he was awesome. When he, when he wasn't fouling guys, he was awesome. <laughs> um, 16 points in that one. Uh, his bounce seems to be fully back. He was punishing the rim with several dunks. Um, so in this game, I think PC really needs to look for Nate Watson early and often in this one. Um, you know, I, I think he should have a field day against a St. John's front court that really doesn't, isn't very good in their interior defense. Um, you know, they don't have any one player that, that scares me from that perspective. And I think PC should be able to, to, um, you know, crush St. John's on the glass like they did in the first game, um, they really dominated them on the on the boards in the first game, 
They out-rebounded them 46-34, including a 15-7 advantage on the offensive glass. Um, the offensive glass has been kind to PC this year, probably because we missed so many shots. But, um, you know, you would think PC will be able to dominate the glass again, and then given the fact that St. John's isn't a great three-point shooting team, and our perimeter defense is really good. I mean, I, I don't see St. John's making a ton of threes, but again, there's just something about this game I just really don't like. I, I, I just think the stars are aligning for St. John's to to really come out and try and get this game, for sure. And that scares me. And you know what? My prediction? The Friars lose this one. Um I'll go with a score of 73-70. I think it will be a little more high-scoring than the first affair. Um, I, I think, you know, St. John's has been able to score a little bit better recently. Um, the Friars are on and off with their offense. But, um, you know, I, I don't expect the rock fight that we saw in the first game. Because I feel like it never happens that way. You know, when, when you see a team a second time, it seems like the game always goes in a different direction. Um, so I think it will be a little more high scoring. And once again, the Friars will find themselves in a late game situation. And, w- and when it comes to that, at this point, they're a coin flip. They've shown the ability to find ways to win like they did at Butler, like they did at um, Marquette, like they did at DePaul. But they've also been in, in these situations and faltered. Um, you know, on the road against URI, uh, that game was close with like seven minutes left. They ended up losing by 14. Um, and, you know, and in the Xavier game, most recent example of of the Friars just falling apart down the stretch of the basketball game uh, in a close game. But so, and that's why I think it's coin flip. And you know what? I'll give St. John's the home team the edge. Um, so that's my prediction: 73-70. It'll be a crushing loss. I'll be very, very sad. Probably wash my sorrows with some blue guys, Bud Lights. If, if you don't call them blue guys like my buddies do, I don't, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so, and then, you know, they'll finish the week off back at home um, at the dunk against St. John's, or excuse me, against Seton Hall on um, Saturday, 8 p.m. tip. Seton Hall comes into the week. Uh, ranked number 10, uh, coming off a huge win against Villanova. They went 2-0 and on the week overall. Um, let me check who, the, who they have on Wednesday. One moment here. They, they, have, they have a tough game in Creighton, but, but they're at home. So, you know, I would expect them to probably win that game. Um, so, huge opportunity for the Friars. Um especially if they can win that straight game and then parlay that with a victory against Seton Hall, now all of a sudden you're firmly in the bubble uh, conversation, in my opinion. Um, they'd be 14-11, and 11, uh, or excuse me, they'd be 15-11, which, I mean, I know it's not a great record, but you look at the bubble this year, you look at PC's strength of schedule, you look at their their record um, in quad one, quad one games, it would be over 500. Um, here's a stat for you. No team t- uh, in college hoops last year had a 
winning record against quad one opponents and, and, and miss the NCAA tournament. So you think about that, and then you think about the way college basketball has gone this season and this bubble really being, you know, who knows? It's very hard to determine who's going to be making the tournament with the bubble teams this year. So, uh, and then obviously conference play will have a lot to do with, um, you know, how many how many at-large bids teams will actually be fighting for. Um, so that can change things too. But honestly, my whole opinion is if they can get uh, to 18 and 13, so 5 and 2 down the stretch here, uh, and then you win one game in the Big East tournament, at 19 and 14, given the strength of the Big East this year, I honestly think that that would get them in. I, I really do. Um, so we'll see how it shakes out. Um, in regards to the game against Seton C- Hall, um, I don't want to dive too deep into it because I'll be able to – you know what? I'm going to write you guys a write-up for that game. Um, expect that either Thursday or Friday. Um, so I don't want to dive – in too deep, but what I will say is one of the focal points of that write-up will be Romaro Gill, who absolutely torched the Friars last time, and they're going to have to find a way to contain him, um, a way to make him a non-factor offensively, because if he gets going offensively, the Hall is a really tough team to beat. Um, PC's got to work on their pick-and-roll defense for this game, let me tell you. Um, that was... An absolute killer, especially in the first half um, of the first meeting between the Friars and the Pirates. Um, you know, Watson and Young were just hedging so hard on Quincy McKnight and Powell, and it just led to Gill just being wide, just wide open in the paint, and he was able to feast against us. Um, you know, and then also you look at Gill on the defensive side, he's been a menace, so he'll probably end up winning. Big East Defensive Player of the Year. He has like five blocks a game. And, you know, I remember last uh, on the pod leading up to the, the first matchup against Seton Hall, I had said, you know what, the Friars should be driving at, you know, taking the ball right to, to Gill and, and make him work. Well, that didn't work at all. He had eight blocks in the game. So I think offensively they're going to have to hit some shots to, to open up the lane for their drives in that one. But, again, I'll do a write-up for that, um, but we'll see what happens, man. College basketball, especially this year, is just a wild game. So who knows what happens. Um, hopefully PC can at least get a victory um, this week to, to keep their their at-large hopes alive, if you will. So, um, all right, that, that's all I got for today. Um, we will see you next week. Go Friars. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke when I'm way about a hoop, eh. Cross over, I might go to LEU. Heard they sleeping on me, well, let's take them back to school. PC, you know we on go, eh. Feel like AJ Reeves when I'm off that pick and roll, eh. Fall down, bounce back like Emmy Hope, eh. I'm the alpha dog, Diallo. 
They was sleeping on me, that's what made me a savage And he see me bumping, so we gon' let him have it, yeah They don't want no static, we at the top just like the attic This year we taking over March Madness Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, babe Cross over, I might throw the hell at you But they sleeping on me, well let's take them back to school Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah